Earlier today, I forwarded you this article about leaked Facebook documents that shows how moderation happens at Facebook. This is amazing. They had a minor update to change in language about cannibalism images. And they say that images of just a cannibal without the victim will now be allowed. Is that even a thing? How do we know it's a cannibal if they don't have a victim? That's just everyone. Like everyone else is a cannibal without a victim. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. So thank you for joining us. And welcome back to another episode of Touchpoint, episode number 138. I'm Chris Boyer, that's Reed Smith, <laughs> or something. Close. We need to moderate that somehow, I think. But no, um, if I get to be Reed Smith this whole episode, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's just, I've said the same thing so many times. I just, you know, there's only so many <laughs> ways you can vary the, the intro, but... Um, Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining us for yet another week of Touchpoint. Uh, we appreciate the support. Rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. Still the number one way others find out about us, and we appreciate that support. Touchpoint.health is the website. Go out there, check out the other shows and show hosts and show them some support as well. I'm excited about diving into the, today's topic. It's going to get a little technical for those of you listening in. So um, if you're not too technical, feel free to adjust the speed <laughs> to like two. I don't know, maybe one, one and a half. Two is a lot. <laughs> Two's a lot. But uh, whatever works for you. But before we nerd out too much, let's take a uh, quick pause and we'll be, uh, we'll be right back. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. All right, Reed, we promised to get a little nerdy today because we're going to be talking about your marketing tech stack. Aren't you excited? Yes. This is like the cassette player with like the two decks. That's right. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, like that. it feels that way sometimes, for sure. I mean, in terms of the excitement around it, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but um, marketing tech stacks are very, very important to us in this space. 
And everybody that is doing marketing and is involved somehow with the tech stack. But oftentimes, when you bring that up, the whole concept up, it gets confusing and people kind of tune out, don't they? A little bit, or they have their own kind of preconceived notion of what of what it is, what it includes, you know, what it doesn't include, you know, how it applies to them, that kind of thing. Well, luckily, we will help set the, set the stage, as we do often on the show, by starting off talking about a definition of the marketing technology stack. We found an article that we'll link to in the show notes, and it's from Optimizely, which happens to be a, a tech stack company. Uh, but they define the marketing tech stack, and it's used quite readily. A lot of people are pointing to it as the official definition. They say a marketing technology stack is a grouping of technologies that marketers leverage to conduct and improve their marketing activities. And often the focus of marketing technologies is to make difficult processes easier and to measure the impact of marketing activities to drive more efficient spending. Sounds like a good definition, right? It does. I like the conduct and improve. And I know initially when you hear that, you think, well, well, yeah, of course, that's what all our stuff does. It either conducts or improves. So not so fast. And actually, I think some of that goes back to how you're using it. Like, sure, they all could do one of those two things or both of those things, but maybe they don't. It ends with driving more efficient spending. I think that's the the, the lofty goal of a marketing tech stack is to make sure that you're spending your money efficiently. But oftentimes when I've looked at others marketing tech stacks, not that I do that. That sounds a little salacious. I, I don't go around and look at other people's marketing tech stacks that often, but oftentimes there's a lot of waste if you don't do it right. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of math. It's a lot of geeky tech for sure. They, they're talking here about like when assembling said technologies. And I guess you visually, you think about how these things layer or stack. And so they talk about which ones are foundational and should actually be put in place first. And so I think that's an interesting caveat to all of this. It's not just, all right, which ones are we missing? Let's go fill in the blanks. Maybe there's a little bit of that, but there is a a real foundational piece to this. When you're considering a marketing tech stack, it's also important to consider what you're trying to do, because depending on what your goals are, your tech stack can look dramatically different. It's, It's not like this is the right tech stack for everybody. You have to think about the different things that you're trying to accomplish. And so this article breaks down a couple of common categories that organizations use their tech stack for. So like, for example, read customer acquisition. Now we've heard of that, right? I mean, patient acquisition in our language. Yep. In that regard, right? Tech stack is related to online marketing, maybe doing partner marketing, event marketing, optimizing your website, just creating your technology around all the things that help to acquire those customers better. Second uh, to that brand and communications, this is obviously where we've spent a lot of time historically. You think about like, uh, you know, brand awareness, for example. So you have things like social media, it's where your public relations or your earned media type efforts come in, sponsorships, community partnerships, things like that, even broadcast advertising kind of all fall into that bucket. And your tech stack's different for that, right? So some of those tools that we talked about. Product marketing is another one where they talk about analyst relations, content marketing, various different things to help promote a a product, 
maybe directly to the consumer themselves, or if you do it through a channel partner or what have you. Again, your tech stack looks different. And finally, marketing operations. This is an interesting one for me because I really like a lot of this stuff. This is where you're kind of measuring and doing some of the analysis. So you have things like campaign performance, data analytics and insights that you you know you may be looking at. It's a key role that will really kind of help inform and, and enable the rest of the marketing team to make smart decisions with the marketing data. So some of it's like how to, you know, how's this stuff distilled down and used? You know, the spoiler alert here, Reed, is is that many organizations, they do multiple of these things, right? It could be a blend of customer acquisition, branded communications, and marketing operations. If you're creating a really good tech stack and you're looking at your tech stack, you want to take account of all of those things. And you certainly don't want to create separate tech stacks to support these separate strategies, right? It's all commingled together. I mean, it's not that you can't use this stuff independently, but I think more and more, especially as, as kind of the time goes, this stuff is merging together to some degree to where you know, optimally when this is firing on all cylinders, it, it all works together. Many years ago, I wrote an article about the tech stack. And actually, as you're looking at your tech stack, it's also important to kind of consider the three different layers. And in my mind, I had to clarify because it gets so confusing sometimes. There's like, if you count it, there are, just Google it. You can go out there and find all these different tech stack spreadsheets that show all these different logos. There's actually one that's that's really well known that has 17,000 different technologies <laughs> right now that are available, right? I mean, there's so many things out there. I think I work with that hospital. Exactly. To me, I had to actually think about how to align this in my mind to make it simple. And I kind of landed on three different areas that I thought would be fun. We brought this up like way back when, I think in episode 20 or so. So if you want to go back and listen to it, you can, but I'm going to do a really quick recap here. So there are three levels to your tech stack, the operating system level or the foundational layer, which we alluded to earlier. That's like the layer where most of the digital activity should be tracked throughout the entire user journey. So in many cases, that's like your CRM or maybe even your electronic medical record, like your Epic or whatever uh, it might be. Yep. You could get like data warehousing functions, even like maybe if you create an MDM or a master data management technology. And even your website and your internet can be kind of included in this operating system level. Think about that as a place where you could track people throughout the entire journey and you can track consistently. I often refer to these technologies as single sources of truth, right? The places where you go to yeah. that you know that's where your your rec- golden record is. Yeah, absolutely. The next layer above that is what I call the engaging systems. Those are platforms designed to optimize flow and reduce friction between different phases of the customer journey or, or even between the different technologies. And a lot of times, this is the layer where you look into personalization, you get into really understanding preferences, and you're keeping track of that. And it communicates back and forth with your operating systems, those other things that I talked about. So think about things like email marketing, marketing automation is in Mm -hmm. there, or like social media can be part of that because it kind of has that, it's keeping track of interactions. Even things on your website, like your search systems or your analytics systems on your website kind of fall into that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, you know, where some of the things like when we start talking about content, even some of the newer technologies may kind of fall in here. You mentioned marketing automation, but things like chatbots, for example, but anything that's it's engaging, you know, it's having a two-way conversation and it's it's pulling data in, 
you know, back to some of those operating systems in most cases. And then on the very top of that, the very top of your stack, so to speak, is what I what I call the activating systems. Those are the program strategies and tools to optimize a specific phase in the journey. And oftentimes, these are the only touch points that customers directly interact with. So think about like an email itself, right? An email. People open up the email, they react to the email. That writes into the marketing automation tool and ultimately writes into your CRM and keeps track of that. But the person doesn't go directly into your CRM. They're on these touch points. Other touch points could be your website. It can be reputation management. It could be SEO. There's a lot of things. These are the the high level at the very top that activate the audience. It's a lot of times where you're spending transactional dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're buying ads. Um, you're doing those things that create, from the decision standpoint, uh, we talk about consumerism a lot. Yeah, you know, these are people the things that are drawing people in. So if you think about your tech stack this way, like in three different layers, and understand too that your tech stack, when best optimized, should interact with all of it, right? Everything should be interacting with each other, which is a hard thing to do in this day and age. I mean, imagine having your social media interact with your paid search activity. And so you know that if someone's responding to an ad, on Google, they're also maybe a Facebook customer. That would be the ideal tech stack to build. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, and I think that's a really smart way to look at it because, again, this is foundational. You know, we, we want to get away from the shiny object syndrome where we're just buying more technology because we feel like it's going to, you know, be a stopgap or, you know, be a specific need filler, if you will. But uh, this is an interesting way to look at it and a smart way to look at it when you're kind of building that map. So maybe let's let's take just a quick break here and uh, come back and talk more about uh, some real life examples. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. Now let's take maybe just a few minutes, talk about some real life examples. And so we, you know, we mentioned them when you were talking about kind of those three layers, we mentioned some of these, uh, at least by name uh, or category even, but I think this will be kind of an interesting place to jump into. So this is, this is actually in no particular order uh, necessarily, but we're going to start out with something that is foundational, which is uh, the CRM or the customer relationship management. Yeah, your CRM. Your CRM should track all those customer interactions and relationships and provide insights for how your marketing efforts, your communication efforts are doing you know, uh, across maybe the sales pipeline or the, the, the acquisition strategy or even from your branding perspective. It really has got to have that fundamental, like almost golden record of your customer. That's the whole promise of a CRM. 
and allows you if you if it's right it's foundationally you can put a bunch of stuff on top of it to power it absolutely i mean certainly this is your your way in or kind of that pipe if you will from like patient data to your marketing activities or it should be not that there's not ways around it but it just seems like that would make the most sense especially if you're building a true crm and having that that single source of truth and you know kind of who the customer is Right. And it's important to say that it's called a customer relationship management tool, right? So it's a CRM. So oftentimes CRMs are connecting to your patient record or your Epic data or whatever it might be, but it's only really using it to track any kind of customer-like interactions with them. It's not designed to take over your EMR or your patient portal or anything like that. That's right. The next one here is interesting to me, and I'd be curious your your thoughts uh, if you're seeing much of this, but are customer support tools. Because when I read that, when I think about that in this context of, of this article, which we'll link to, is that like Zendesk? Right. It could be Zendesk. It could be a variety of different tools. I mean, even some CRMs nowadays have customer support tools within them where it has the ability not only to answer a phone call, for example, they call your call call center and you're tracking that in your CRM, but it also has the ability to have information about like how to best answer their questions, resources. It kind of Mm -hmm. takes over the OneNote concept. I think the important thing here is that your customer service team is by extent an extension of your marketing team. So customer support tools should be part of your marketing tools. Yeah. And clearly it has to be called desk because it's like Zendesk, Fresh Desk. You know, they're all, they all have the word <laughs> desk in them. Because <laughs> that's how we answer phones nowadays, right? On the desk. Another tool is email marketing tools. Uh, email marketing is a really, really critical part of this. We actually dedicated a whole episode to it a couple, of, you know, um, maybe about six months ago. But it's like one of the most important things that marketers have in your toolkit. And it's sometimes email marketing tools are built as part of marketing automation or even built into the CRM themselves. But you definitely have to have that email marketing system in place. Absolutely. You can't just send them Outlook emails, can you? I mean, you can, but I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. But the next one, obviously, one people are very familiar with and most people use, uh, I think, social media marketing tools. So we see, you know, we think about like things like Hootsuite. You know, from a personal standpoint, Hootsuite, Buffer, stuff like that. Other ones like Sprout, CoSchedule, et cetera. There, there's different ones out there that uh, people have used through the years. Uh, there's obviously some higher end paid ones as well. These tools cover both organic and paid approaches on social as well. So that's the important piece of this. And sometimes your your paid pieces fit into another category that we'll talk about in a second. Another one, read that we've seen is something called experience optimization. These are tools where you can do A-B testing, you can do personalization, or any kind of programs that really take your analytics and help turn it into ways that you can test your experience. That's an important piece. And that's one that's not typically used in healthcare. It's really not. I wonder why. Well, we're starting to talk more and more about experience, customer experience, and also optimizing that experience. So I think it's an, it's going to be one of those tools that we're going to start to embrace more and more. But there are very sophisticated people out there and companies out there that are doing experience optimization. We've talked to a few on the program before, but I think that this is something that we need to become more and more adept at. A lot of times, experience optimization is a 
kind of an offshoot of CRM. But in this particular case, calling it out as a separate category is probably important. I think so. Another one here on the list, SEO tools. Obviously, you know, we're all pretty steeped in the idea that SEO is important. I mean, that's how we're going to get the organic traffic to the website. It's important anyway. There's tools to optimize that, right? Like it's not like we don't know what it is. It's not like you can't manually go in and add keywords to metadata, copy on page, stuff like that, uh, rich images or, or media to the site. But maybe, you know, SEO tools help you understand, you know, like keyword gap analysis. So like, what are your, what are your competitors ranking for that you're not? And, you know, some of that kind of stuff, you, you know, you can get kind of lost in the weeds on some of that stuff. Another one that you can get lost in the weeds on, and it's surprising that not a lot of people, when I've seen marketing tech stacks before, they think about this, but marketing project management tools. Oh, yeah. Like Basecamp and things like that. This is one I really like and probably like it too much. Basecamp, Monday, Trello. I mean, there's all kinds of you know, stuff out there that you can you can try out. Then you got social listening and brand monitoring tools. Oftentimes, those might be built into the social media marketing tools, but they're calling it out separately. The social listening is really important to hear what people are saying. You know, if you think about it, like SEO and social listening, these are ways to really keep track and engage people that are maybe not engaged with your brand directly. But these are tools where you can actually start to understand them and get them more engaged and bring them into your CRM, so to speak. Another one, landing page tools. You know, this kind of falls, it could be under your content management system. So we'll kind of lump these together maybe a little bit. There are technologies out there, like you think about like companies like Unbounce, for example, uh, where specifically the goal of the tool is to build landing pages, not necessarily full-blown websites. And so we've seen these, you know, useful for campaigns or maybe brand launches or product launches, things like that, but can really scale down the focus to a single call to action and kind of drive that transaction. Now, I've seen some landing page tools being wrapped into these optimizing tools that we talked about earlier, because landing pages are really good to do A-B testing on, too. So, I, again, uh, we promised people listening in, this is going to get geeky. We got, we're, we're about... We're, we're, we're about two-thirds through this list here, but still it's a comprehensive list of all the tools. You mentioned content management systems. The other thing, too, that's important behind that is analytics. Yep. So analytics tools like Google Analytics or whatever, analytics are critical because it gives you the data you need to see if what you're doing is actually working. Yeah, that's novel. It's a novel concept. We should know if what <laughs> we're doing is working, right? Online advertising tools, again, some of this starts to overlap a little bit because a lot of the SEO tools have an SEM component or you think about something like an SEM rush. Well, you can you can do some SEO work and there's some brand monitoring work, things like that. So again, some of these tools have more than one function to them, but you know, you want to be able to look at search, keyword, retargeting, you know, tracking, you know, and, and even some of the attributions of that. You can also do machine learning kind of fits into this too. We, we've using the tools that Google offers ways that you can optimize your online advertising better using machine learning. So that's a cool one related to this. You know, the, there's the video tools, video marketing. So video management systems. We have one that's what we use on our website. You don't have to just put YouTube on your site. 
YouTube is a video management system, but you could, you know, you can use one where you get your analytics, you could tr- start to track, put conversion codes in, a variety of different things. That's an important part, particularly as video becomes a, a major content asset. Or, or even as you're looking at different audiences, you take something like a broadcast med where you're you're producing content for a physician audience that's gated and it's a you know more of a learning management system in some ways. So you're capturing grand round presentations or CME accredited presentations and rolling them out on a video-based platform. Another one here, automation tools. Again, we've kind of covered this a little bit across some of these other ones, but marketing automation certainly you know could be a function of your CMS depending on what you're using uh, or site personalization, if you will. I know we've kind of touched on that as well, but the uh, automation side is an interesting one. I think we'll only can see see it get you know better and more efficient as we go. And then lastly uh, is content curation tools. Interestingly enough, maybe even digital asset management systems are under here. But this is really where you can keep track of all the content. Oftentimes, you know, you may want to curate content from your website from other different places. This would be a great tool to have as in your toolkit. And you have to have these tools where you can pull it, decide where it's right, maybe decide if you can publish it in many different places. It helps you kind of filter through the fluff and really find the things that are going to be valuable and that actually make sense. And then keep track of that so you can use it over and over again in the future. You know, as I look back over this exhaustive list of all these tools, Reed, I think we've done an episode on each and every one of these, at least. You know, it's funny you say that. I was actually kind of looking back through the list myself. Yeah, I think we have probably, or at least topically, we've talked about this stuff, you know, content curation tools specifically, maybe not, but content curation, we certainly have. Uh, automation, personalization, things like that, even video, you know, we've talked about to varying degrees. Well, I know there's a great interview just up ahead, but before we do, I wanted to go a little bit more of a dip into the techie space and talk about the MarTech conference that's out there. Yes, Reed, there are conferences dedicated to marketing technology. I haven't been to one myself. Have you? No, I don't think so. Well, they even have awards, and the awards are called Stackies, just so you know. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, for the best marketing stack, marketing tech stack. But anyway, the point is this, there's a conference right, that brings together marketing technology people, vendors, and also people that are actually in, in control or managing these marketing technology stacks to really get together, talk about you know trends, etc. The most recent one for MarTech West happened back in April. And they found three themes that are emerging that I thought would be kind of cool for us to to touch on. Yeah, it really is, because I think this applies to a lot of things, not just uh, technology. It could I'll let you decide where it where it fits in your own life. But the first point they have is that there's no one size fits all. When you're thinking about marketing technology, do you think about it categorically as far as like foundationally, what do we need? And then uh, how do we engage and how do we attract, you know, that, that kind of stuff, like we talked about earlier, those three levels. But it doesn't mean that you need one of each thing. They say here that more than, more than half of marketers that use single vendor marketing clouds don't believe that that provides value. So it's not just, you can't just go buy one either, right? You have to look at your technology as various. And a lot of it happens with what do you have? So before you even start down your marketing tech strategy, you should look at what you have and figure out tools that can complement to deliver on some of those strategies that you want to have. Another one of the findings, read is that they say that agility enables success with marketing technology. 
Now we this is maybe the what the second podcast in of the last three that we've used the word agile. It's a lot. It's a record, and that's with an uppercase A. Agile. Well, yeah, it's funny. Agile with an uppercase A refers to that agile marketing that we covered a couple episodes ago. The approach to marketing with the goals of improving speed, predictability, transparency, and adaptability. Uh, we talked about that. Go back a couple episodes and listen to that. There's also the lowercase agility, which is really just about being faster. When you go to market, you can't spend six months waiting to go to market to see how your marketing activity works. The goal now is to try to get that measured within 30 days really quickly. No, that makes total sense. And it kind of leads to their their third point, which is adapt or die. So uh, change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. And marketing is no longer just for marketers. And what that means is, is change is being more diversified across your organization. And change is happening not only within your marketing suite, your marketing tech stack is dependent on your operational tech stack as a part of all these other areas. And so it really becomes important for your marketing team to be adaptable to to address that change because the tech stack that you're using today may not be the same tech stack you're using in three years. And, and I mean, I can guarantee you it's not. I mean, again, I think the foundational, you know, categorically it will be, but technology just moves too fast. I mean, there's a lot of talk here about about technology, a lot of talk about tech stack. And, you know, quite frankly, when we had to turn to an expert that we were going to interview, you reached out to someone that actually is very adept at understanding the tech stack, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Ed Bennett has pulse on the industry for years. And I think uh, is what he's doing in his uh, kind of new day job, his new company, MarTech.Health. Vendors uh, is where he spends his time and what he's thinking about and uh, trying to make it easy for those of us that are contracting with vendors to understand who to connect with, what to connect with them for. So, yeah, let's let's tune in, hear from Ed, and we'll be uh, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Today, I'm fortunate to be joined by uh, an old friend and a repeat guest to the podcast, Ed Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Real pleasure to be here. So I know you've been on the show in person. Well, I guess you're in person now, but we were all in the same location in Scottsdale probably a year or so ago, or maybe a little more. Yeah, that was that was about a year ago. Yeah, with Lee and, and of course, Chris, and we were kind of reminiscing on the good old days. But today, I've got you on specifically to talk about marketing technology in the vendor space. And so for those that are not familiar with you, your background and uh, martech.health, maybe uh, give a quick elevator pitch there before we before we jump in. Well, this is normally a three-hour overview of what I'm all about, but I'll try <laughs> to keep it down to like 60 seconds. Does that work? I've been in the healthcare slash digital space for about 20 years. I started at the University of Maryland Medical System back in 1999, uh, founded their digital program, built out their practice over almost well, 17 years. And then um, about two or three years ago, left the hospital and started a, a website called martech.health. And martech.health is a tool, uh, a resource for people inside the industry, specifically people who are marketing, digital, and communications professionals who want to find and connect with vendors 
uh, that have experience in healthcare and that would be appropriate vendors for the kind of projects they need to do. Uh, so that's what I've been working on for the last couple of years. I'm very happy to be here to talk a little bit about that and uh, space in general. Well, I think, you know, the, the work you're doing now is is really interesting and I think kind of aligns with some of the conversations I've had as of late, you know, because people are still trying to find, uh, much like anything else, they want that trusted voice or some sort of a referral around anything they're doing. And so vendors, you know, obviously are not any different. Uh, the marketing technology world is becoming larger and larger. And so it's funny, something you just said, you know, talking about starting it at the hospital at University of Maryland Medical Center back in 1999, you know, I went to the hospital 2003, I guess it was. And so, uh, I mean, we had a website, but other than that, there really wasn't any other marketing technology to speak of, at least that I used. Maybe like Basecamp or something, which, you know, just project management type stuff. This is, uh, I guess, ramped up rather quickly. Uh, not that some of this stuff hasn't existed, but it's ramped up pretty quickly over the last several years, right? Yeah. I mean, I think if you compare our industry to other vertical markets, we're starting to catch up to other vertical markets in the sophistication of what we do with our marketing stack. The whole concept of having a MarTech stack where you have a CRM, you have a CMS, you have a variety of other tools that help you connect with prospects and service current customers and all of that stuff through a digital space. That's been very well established in other vertical industries for literally over 15 years. I think hospitals are now finally starting to get into the same level of sophistication. And this is something where you now have to sort of step back and say, okay, what is the landscape? What is it that I need to have in place internally before I can even start attempting to do, do this? And then what is it that I have to look at once I decided I'm ready to start uh, being very serious about a, uh, a marketing and technology stack? It's interesting you say that. Chris and I talked a few episodes ago about kind of the the evolution of some of the roles, right? Like people retire or move on or get fired or whatever happens at these hospitals. And they're not necessarily just immediately replacing those jobs anymore in the same way. Uh, you know, we're starting to see more titles with things like consumerism in the title or, or analytics and insights or, you know, even marketing technology, I guess, to some degree. Who's leading the parade here? Are we doing that in response to the fact that there's all these tools or I, what are you seeing? I mean, is it the hospital kind of leading that conversation? What's leading it is the consumer. There's like one hospital that I can think of that has a uh, someone who's in a position of chief patient experience officer, and that would be Piedmont Healthcare. And if I had to point to one hospital system, that's probably the one I would say, go look at what they're doing because they've got their act together, they figured it out, and they're doing what you need to do. That's really in a response to understanding that consumers are fed up with how backwards their experience is when it comes to dealing with a healthcare provider. They're getting frustrated. And if we don't get our act together, we're going to lose out to larger commercial interests. I mean, I just saw something about Walmart, I think, a couple of days ago, announced that they were launching a 20,000-square-foot standalone medical practice where you, where you could go and for $25, you could have a, central, a series of dental x-rays to just check out how your teeth are doing. Uh, and a variety of other diagnostic services that you could pay for out of pocket but they were very, very reasonably priced. So there's just one example of how the commercial interests that are not that you would not normally think of as healthcare 
are really threatening the type of bread and butter services that hospitals and other healthcare providers normally do. Uh, so I think that sort of fuels the idea that we need to get on the stick, figure out what we're doing in terms of how we communicate with our, our patients slash consumers and make sure we're doing it right. That's interesting. I, I guess, you know, we've always heard, I'm sure you've heard this uh, a million times, but, you know, I've always been told and you hear people speak at conferences and things like that, you know, the people that have done this well, and, and usually it was in the vein of like personalization or CRM or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was like financial services or the casino industry, you know, or something like that. They know when you're on the floor and they know how much, you know, per person is going to spend, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? We have not had to do that. Like, I don't think anybody's pushed us hard enough as marketers or as uh, especially hospital marketers, maybe on the pharma medical device, maybe payer side or something like that. But on the provider side, at least, uh, nobody's pushed hard enough. And I think it's left room or a gap there for people to create technology to fill some voids. How hard is it for those people to communicate or deliver that technology to folks that aren't necessarily looking for it? Or are we now looking for it? When you say we are looking for it, I mean, I think the word we means the average patient slash consumer. The average patient slash consumer is saying, my teeth are hurting. I'm really kind of concerned about this. I don't have dental insurance, but I'd really like to know what's going on. Oh, look, Walmart says for $25, I can go in and have an x-ray done to see what my, the status of my teeth are. That's the push. And you can replicate that for any sort of basic diagnostic service that you might get at your primary care physician or local hospital. So it's becoming commodity to some degree, I guess, you know, with a lot of these things. I think it's been a commodity for a long time. And I think hospitals have been kind of in denial that um, there's somehow something really special about them that's different than another facility that could could provide the same service. As a hospital or as a provider, what should we start doing at this? I mean, are are we too late? Where do we need to be spending time trying to prepare or evaluate technology or understand what we need or don't need? Well, I don't, I don't think it's too late. I mean, certainly a lot of the factors that would determine whether a particular initiative you're thinking about as a marketing person or business development person, whether that's going to succeed is, is dependent on other factors in your organization. But if your organization is proactive and says, yes, we, we know that we need to be offering easy-to-use, easy-to-understand uh, services and pricing for these different uh, cert- things we offer, then you're in a position to start doing that. And certainly when if you do that, then your name, your brand will carry an awful lot more weight than say something, well, let me compare Walmart to go uh, for $25 versus going to Johns Hopkins for, for, for $30. I think if you, you, you get into that sort of thing that you, you have, uh, you as a hospital system have an awful lot of, of uh, value to offer to that consumer, but you need to have the tools in place to make it easy for them to understand exactly what it is they're buying, what it's going to cost them. And so that they can do it in a way that doesn't have any risk. You know, it makes me think of a lot of things, quite honestly. And I think when we think about this, I think a lot of times what happens is um, you mentioned Piedmont. You know, we, we hear Piedmont or other leading organizations presented a conference and then everybody goes, we should do that. 
like we need that thing or we need to do that program or or what have you. I don't think the equation is quite that simple, first off. Um, I mean, we're all at least mostly in different markets, you know, same but different. We have different resources. We're working with a different deck of cards in, in a lot of cases. We've got you know different goals as organizations, whether you're a small FQHC or critical access hospital up to you know an academic medical center. It's just different. I think that's what's interesting about your platform. Number one is I can get, if I know what I need, you know, and I know you know the types of vendors you know that I'm, I'm trying to compare and look at and stuff like that. It's a great place to compare and resource and you know get connected, hear testimonials, things like that. Where where are we headed though? Will we see a consolidation amongst marketing technology in some respect at some point, like we are the healthcare systems, or do, the, do a lot of these technologies continue to stay separate? I don't think it's ever going to become simple. Um, we have the, the issue of how technology and how uh, ways we use technology constantly, is constantly changing. There's new services. There's new, paradigm, new paradigms that are coming up. Those all have to be integrated into more uh, traditional foundational paradigms and services. So there's always going to be that kind of mix and uh, whirlpool of things going on and, and the types of vendors and, that you have out there. I do think that if I was at a, say, a, a chief marketing officer or chief executive officer at a large organization, I would say, let me look at my peers. So let's look at Renown Health out in Las Vegas, uh, which has become uh, well-regarded as someone who's certainly leading the industry in consumer services, consumer outreach, and really providing value for service. Um, I'd be talking to them. And not, and I, I certainly I would never come to my website martech.health until you've actually caught, thought through what is a large strategic plan that you're trying to do in um, revamping the services you're offering and repackaging them, and then come to my site and look for the right vendors for that. Uh, but I think there's a lot of organizations out there that are uh, well known as obviously leading the industry, and if you're looking at what you could do, I'd reach out to them and try to get. Uh, pointers and, and direction on how to do it. Yeah, I like that because I think we still struggle to some degree with interoperability, with goal setting. You know, I mean, how do we know this was successful? You know, in a lot of cases, people are not sure who to ask questions of. I like the, you know, the peer-to-peer advice and some of those types of things. I get a little concerned sometimes that the technology is outpacing mm-hmm. The use case sometimes, or legal for that matter. Right. <laughs> you know? I think that there's um, sort of two levels of that idea there. First of all, there's a certain level of, uh, of stuff that has already been proven, has been in use for many, many years, sometimes 10 years or more, where the legalities and the HIPAA issues have all been worked out. And yet there's still a lot of hospitals that haven't done it yet. There's an awful lot of technology and services that it's already proven that uh, most places could say, once we have decided we're going to do this, there's not a lot of risk to diving in and finding the right vendor or platform to make that happen. And then there's the stuff that's like really super cutting edge. Are you ready for your toaster to give you verbal advice if you ask it a question about your medical issue? I'm just, just to throw out a crazy idea, right? But that's the kind of stuff that's out there at the very cutting edge of crazy ideas about what you can do with voice recognition and AI and all that other stuff. That's great. It's fun to talk about, but I think there's so much other, so many other things that has already been established 
that is um, proven, that has the bug works out, bugs worked out, that uh, most places could start and say, well, what is what is some of that stuff that we could be doing that would help us out and, and start from there? Certainly look at your peers, look at the places that have become recognized for doing that. Uh, if you decide you're ready to go into a particular uh, segment of, of services and you need a particular vendor, then my website, martech.health, is there as a resource. And one of the things that I've done with the website is try to encourage uh, clients to go in and provide reviews and ratings, uh, that kind of feedback, so you can see what your peers have to say about a particular vendor. What else would you recommend for those that are out there? It may be a piece of technology that they're considering. It may be, you know, an overall maybe it's a martech. Uh, it's a technology roadmap. It's not so much a piece of technology or roadmap, but I th- I think more importantly for most hospital systems, it's bringing in the right staff. And if you're looking to hire someone who can come in and help you develop a patient-slash-customer relationship service platform, don't necessarily just look for people who have experience in healthcare. Find someone who has proven that they can establish that kind of infrastructure and service for your organization at other verticals, whether it's retail or uh, hotels or, or whatever it happens to be. There's lots of people out there who have that experience and that knowledge uh, that can transfer to healthcare. And that's probably the kind of an, an infusion that you need in order to take advantage of the new technology. We mentioned the website a couple of times, but it's martech.health. We'll link to it in the show notes, certainly. Ed, if, if other people want to track you down, I mean, certainly go to the website, compare vendors. If you are a vendor, Go claim your profile. There's some other options there if you want, uh, you know, a little more of a robust presence. I'm sure Ed would be happy to visit with you about that. But what's uh, what are other ways people could connect with you? The easiest way is go to martech.health. My contact information is all over the place. Um, I am um, available at ebennett at martech.health. I'm sure you'll have a link to my email address, et cetera, on, on the on the podcast here. But I'm I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> No worries. Yeah, we'll link to all the all the good stuff in the show notes for sure. Ed, appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to having you back. Same here. Take care. And special thanks again to Mr. Ed Bennett for spending a few minutes with us. He is obviously a veteran of the podcast as well as a veteran of the industry. Appreciate his time and insights as always. Look forward to seeing him in just a couple of months. And so uh, we'll get many of the rest of you can see him here in a couple of months. And we'll get to that here in just a second. Again, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you happen to be listening. And maybe let's uh, touch on where we're going to be here in the next few weeks. Well, Reed, at the end of October, October 22nd and 23rd, you're going to make your way to our great state of Minnesota because that's where the Mayo Clinic Conference is, the May, the 2019 Mayo Clinic Social Media Networks Annual Conference in Rochester, Minnesota on the Mayo Clinic campus. Looking forward to that, aren't you? Yeah, that's going to be fun. So this will be um, year nine or 10, I guess, at this point that I've uh, made the pilgrimage up uh up north to the Mayo Clinic. So anyway, always a fun time. Look forward to seeing everybody. Again, be sure to check out the show notes or go over to socialmedia.mayoclinic.org to learn more there. Uh, Just a few weeks after that, we'll actually be headed down to Florida 
Orlando, Florida, to the Healthcare Internet Conference November 4th through the 6th, where the aforementioned Ed Bennett will also be. And that's always a fun conference to go to. It really is. I love the Healthcare Internet Conference. And a lot of us, a lot of everybody, our sponsors on the show, people that have been on this uh, program before as as experts, we're all going to be there. Um, Reed, you and I will be there. We're going to be recording a show there. There's going to be a lot of things happening. So definitely make your way down to Orlando, Florida in the early part of November. Not a bad time to go down to Orlando. It's going to be filled with all that great information and can't miss it. It's a conference that you really can't miss. Well, before we uh, bounce out of here for the week, a couple of recommendations. Uh, Maybe I'll go first this week. Uh, I'm going to recommend a book by Donald Miller. Donald Miller, New York Times bestselling author. I originally found out about him on a really interesting book he wrote some many years ago called Blue Light Jazz. He wrote one recently. I say recently. I guess it's been a little while now, but it's called Building a Story Brand. Clarify your message so customers will listen. And so he, he does a whole conference around story branding and you can attend or have a private one done for your organization and things like that. But it's a really interesting process that helps business leaders think about their business and actually create what their story is. And he uses kind of the framework of what the uh, movie industry has used for years and so I will warn you, once you read this book, it'll ruin every movie. <laughs> but anyway, it's a really interesting process and a very prescriptive way to like go through and think about uh, how to simplify your brand message so people understand it and create you know messaging for websites, social, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it's a good read, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. And when you're done building your story brand and you're really starting to, uh, you know, you need some time off, then you can turn to my recommendation, Reed, which is a TV show that I recently started watching. It's kind of an older show. It's been around. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you seen it yet, Reed? I have not. Well, this is a great, funny, funny show. It's an Amazon Prime original, so you have to be an Amazon Prime member. It's a period comedy drama series set in the, uh, I guess, in the the 50s, maybe the late 50s, early 60s. And it's about a woman who goes through basically a a sudden divorce and through the process finds out that she's a great stand-up comedian. She friends Lenny Bruce, the very famous comedian in New York, and she launches her her career and it has a great cast. Not only is Rachel Brosnahan as the, the lead, Alex Borstein, who you may not know her by name per se, but you know her voice because she does a lot of character voices through cartoons and things like that, including Family Guy. And then Tony Shaloub. Yeah. What was he on? Why why do I know him? What what do I what do I know him from? He was on Nurse Jackie, he was on Monk, he was on The Blacklist. He's done a lot of different... Ally McBeal, he was on for an episode. I mean, he's been around for a while. He's done a lot of TV and a lot of... Uh, Wings. Yep. He was in Wings, 1991 to 97. Yeah. God, what a great show. He plays her father, and he's he is a, he's great. And the whole show is really good. It's on Amazon Prime. It's now into three seasons. It's won a couple of Emmys. I definitely think it's worthwhile if you haven't seen it. I'm kind of late to the game on this one, but I definitely recommend it. It's a great, great show. It's just really funny. 
and, and awesome. fun to watch. Great recommendation. Uh, another great show. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. We really appreciate it. Please reach out to us. Uh, we've had some really nice comments, uh, specifically on LinkedIn here as of late, of people uh, saying how much they, they appreciate the show. I actually heard it in person several times at Shishmet a couple of weeks ago. And so uh, lets us know that uh, people are listening and that uh, you like uh, like the content. If you know somebody that you think would be a good guest on the show or a topic we should cover, let us know that as well. Uh, but for this week, he's Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Talk to you soon. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.